Good evening, Patriots, and it's Sunday evening, April 23rd in the year 2023. I hope you all had a great weekend. I know I did. I'm going to talk a bit about that and other things. There is um, one thing we all do need, and boy, did I need it today, is sleep. And the best way to get sleep is to have great products to sleep on, like pillows, like my pillow. And like my pillow 2.0, that's like a whole new pillow with a new heat regulating thread that's made right here in the United States. It's awesome. And oh, wait, let's just have Mike Lindell tell us a little bit about it. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. 
The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. Oh, yeah. Use your Bards code. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your Bards code, B-A-R-D-S. Get great savings. Great products, not just with the MyPillow, but with all the other things that are on that site. Mike Lindell truly has proven to be one of the great names in our time with all the financial support he's given to patriots and throughout this country to keep the fight open for the restoration of the elections of 2020 and the fight for liberty. It's interesting how few people still are talking about elections in 2020. And yet everything that we do going forward is going to be based on elections 2020. And if we can't handle it and re- and restore it, it's just going to be more of the same clown show over and over. I had a... Uh, some as, you, as some of you know, I left Saturday and went, it, went up to take a look at um, a, and meet a, one of the top breeders for seed cattle. He does heifers and he does bulls. And he actually produces about 650 bulls a year for sale. They're up near Pendleton. They have two locations, but I went up to his location near Pendleton, Oregon, which is about a six-hour drive. Nice drive. One of those nice drives of just sitting with Jesus and riding the whole way. And had a lot of, lot of time to reflect. We had a pretty intense week last week, which just buckle up because it's going to probably get as intense this week as well. Not tonight, though. And, you know, the, the thing that we try to do here on Sunday nights is to kind of just give stories and walks with Christ and and literally as the title says walking with Jesus and Friday night Fishers always as much as I can tends to be a pretty mellow show to try to set the context for the weekend but the the shows in our we're into now are critical and it's because of the time is ticking here and we have to take as much advantage of it, and we also have to get as strong as we can, not only in our faith, but in our preparations for a direction that invariably we're going to have to go. What was most enjoyable this weekend was the disconnect. I Obviously, I had my phone with me because I was on GPS, but other than that, and I knew the directions most of the way, and when I say that, I... I didn't need GPS to get to the general, to the turnoff. I just needed GPS to get to his ranch. And even then, by the way, GPS missed it. I found it with my two eyeballs, my Mark I eyeball. That's how I found it. So to that point that it's not always, technology isn't what we think. Yet we become very dependent. And in the sense of dependency, we start to think that it's the only way. But technology is woven into everything that we use in this modern world. And that's, if we have our vehicle, we've got a digital brain in it, our cell phones. Um, we can go on the list of many, many things. Logging, the big mills are all digitized. They, they cut and they slice based on layouts digitally. 
oil refinement. I can go on the list of stuff. Because we've moved to a point where we're not interacting with digital. We're trying to find a way to make things more efficient and ultimately more convenient. And that's what our world becomes. But when I stepped onto this this ranch, there was no digital other than the office with the computer to keep the files on the cattle and his cell phone, which Terry Anderson had. He's the owner of the place, just so people could call him. Now, Terry is 77 years old, and he's had a couple of health issues. But what's really interesting to me is in a ranch that runs this size, he's got 50,000 acres over near Pendleton, and he's got... I don't know, I'm going to say roughly about 1,000 acres where I was, but some of that's leased. And they produce outstanding cattle. And I, it's not just the way they look, it's the numbers. And I, I'm, I'm becoming quickly educated in cattle, as you can kind of tell. We're going to get to some of that in a minute here. But everything that's there in one way or another is a manual process meaning there's a human aspect to everything that's done. The cattle are actually, the reason I like this particular uh, seed cattle operation is his cattle are raised on the open range and they're grass-fed and even grass-fed in the feed yard where the bulls are now, they're grass-fed. And that makes a lot, that is important for me because I'm trying to build up a herd that will be grass-fed all the way to finish, not pack them with corn and fatten them up, which is what a lot of guys do. But at 77, Terry and his wife run 90%, 90% of what goes on in that operation they do themselves. And it's hard work. And that's a lot of a reminder of where we are and where we should be. Meaning where we are is we don't hear too many businesses like that anymore. So many businesses now are so dependent on the electronic and the digital world and this is a world that's not. And other than the guy who does preg tests, who uses an ultrasound machine and comes and checks every cow for that, as Terry was explaining to me, they do their own preg tests in, a, in an old-fashioned way, which is basically to use a, a marker. It's uh, like a tag they put on the back of the cow or the heifer. And once the bull mounts them, it scrapes off the color so they know that the bull has mounted them. And they then they take notes of that, of when it happens, and they match their notes with the guy that does the ultrasound. And almost every time, they end up being within a day um, of what the guy at the ultrasound and using all the digital science does. And that's just kind of old school stuff. So when we kind of look back at the way the world was, it's there's a lot more wholesomeness in this world the way it was, not the way we are now. And so much of that is the accountability that goes in with our daily lives. There's actual consequences to your actions when you don't take care of a cow, when you don't manage the herd right, when you don't build up good stock. Terry is a second-generation cattle seed rancher, meaning that he's building. they're building cattle for to sell to other people to grow their herds. And I'm very fortunate to have met him because he takes a certain passion in the love of helping 
small ranchers get going. And he's been a huge help just even in one day, what he was able to do and show me and teach me in a day was phenomenal. And I'll, I'll be going back up to see him later in the summer. But I did buy a bull yesterday and this, this boy's big. He's a good looking bull. He's, uh, his number was 1109 and he, he was, we went in, it's a pretty intimidating moment. I'll just tell you because we were driving around looking at all the heifers and he's got a lot of beautiful heifers out on the feed area, on the feed lot, and they're all pregnant. And you can, and this is what I'll eventually be doing is buying a lot, like nine of them next, probably next fall or so, or maybe, maybe after the first of the year, after they all, all have been preg tested, but I'll buy a lot of nine or 18 heifers and I'm going to end up upgrading the herd that I have so that to rapidly improve the genetics. And when you work with somebody like Terry, who's been doing this, this is like 60 years now in the family. He's been doing it for 50. And when you start to do this and take on their genetics, you can jump the, the quality of your cattle literally almost overnight. And you go, th he'll jump, like working with somebody with Terry, I can jump the quality of the, of the ultimate end product, which is either selling bulls or having meat. I can jump that genetics 30 years just by working with somebody like this. So it's a real, it's a real blessing to meet somebody like this who happens to also be just as God always leads when we open our heart up to it. It ends up being just a great Christian. It, this was a guy I didn't, and someone asked me the other day, well, how did you find him? And I was like, I was just doing a search for Sim Angus breeders in the Northwest. And he came up and the minute I saw his site, it was just like a tug on my heart. It's like, this is who you need to do business with. And it's turned out to be a great connection. To see an operation like this that they've built over 50 years, and it's a great looking operation at this point. And to know that he's, he's telling his stories, they had very little money when they started, but they had the passion to do the right thing. And they had their faith in God. And this is a, these are two lovely people who have worked this together side by side. They have three children, I believe he said, and, and then he, they've got some amazing grandchildren. All of them have been ranch raised. Their grandson had flown in that day, that morning, in fact, and he went over from going from, he's a national, uh, nationally part of a national team for, because it was uh, his playing performance in basketball. And then he's also a national rated rodeo roper. And he came in, pulled out some incredible times yesterday, roping calves. He was down to like 11, 11, six, I think 11, six seconds to rope a calf, which is, those are good numbers. And, um, so he literally flew from this basketball game, flew up to Pendleton and jumped off the plane and about three hours later was roping a calf. There's a, a way of living that happens when we break away from the digital world. We get back to being human again. And that's what was really striking me is it's as simple as this sounds. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to in any way be crass, but when you're out working with cattle, there's some pretty functional and fundamental things that everything makes sense. The bulls want to mate with the cows, no kidding. And they want to be fed. And they, the calves want to nurse from the mother until a certain point. And then the calves raise up and the calves like to play around with each other and, and chase their tails. And there's a certain stability in life that's very simple 
and no one's confused about anything like what gender they are. And especially bulls like the one I bought, they're pretty serious about who they are. And that's all in that cycle of life. Everything makes sense. And as I'm sitting here walking here, there is a, there's a living, breathing aspect of, of Christ and our loving God that's just there. On that in that land, in the people, in everything around, it's balanced. We don't have to work at it; it's just there. And I find that in this modern world, as we've been disconnected from so much of what really we are, we tend to have to work overtime to try to find those connections. And that's where I think we come back to those fundamentals of what we talk about so much in the county by county model. When we start talking about fundamental things in our life, raising our food, taking care of our health, homeschooling children, doing work that's driven by your gifts and talents, all those things come together. And within that, where it's literally like stepping into the body of Christ. But in, when you're out on a ranch space like that too, there's a there's another piece that I find that a lot of people miss. And I, I connect with it extremely well, especially as I put in context the way God's put my walk, which includes my time in Afghanistan and working within the industry of war. And what that bit is, and I think anybody that has it lives on a ranch or has lived out in the rural areas understands what I'm saying is, there is a very clear understanding of, a, of what we've talked about last week, which is a red line of things that you have to defend and times when you will be literally using that trigger to defend what you have. And it's not, it's not an emotional issue. It's not a moral issue. It's just very clean understandings. And there's also a strong foundation of understanding of what and who we are. It reminds me of a story, which I've probably told you here before, but I'm going to share it again tonight. There was a friend of my grandfather's that got in some trouble, and he, he would get in trouble. He got in trouble at one point because he was rustling cattle. And though that is a legal offense now, in Montana of that era, that type of getting caught for that sort of deal would often be handled by vigilante justice. Now, this particular day, three of the ranchers got hold of this guy and brought him just outside the town and had him on his horse. They were all on horseback and put a rope around his neck and they were going to hang him. And my granddad got wind of this, and he rode on up there. And he arrived on his horse, and the guys sat there, and they said, Stan, it's like, this is none of your business. This man's stole cattle from us, and we're going to hang him. And my granddad's comment is, he's like, there's not going to be a hanging here today. And the response was, by one of the guys, Stan, there's three of us to one of you. And he says, I know. He says, but here's what's going to happen. I'll take out two of you before you can draw. The third one might get a shot off if you're lucky. And if you're not, I'll kill you too. 
but there won't be a hanging here today. Now, there's a real, this is my grandfather. And when I say that, to really understand him. And it's one of these stories that I hold on to a lot because there's a moral line here that he didn't cross. His point was you weren't going to take a man's life today because that's, that's just vigilante justice and that there was probably another way to resolve this problem. Now, this man did steal their cattle, and it is a criminal offense. And like I said, at that point in time, vigilante justice for that sort of thing was good. But my granddad, more than just the justice, and I think this is the bigger thing, is my granddad understood that there was, a, there was some good in him. Well, what ended up happening is over the next week or so, and it was three different nights, first, this, I think his name was Smitty, as I recall. I, I can't remember now. But the guy that they were going to hang, his, he was out on his farm. Well, they burned his hay pile down one night. Next night, they burned his barn down. And by the time it came to night three, he had left town and was gone. There was justice. Took a different form. He saved his life, but he left town. There was accountability, though, that was maintained. And even though his life wasn't taken, there was an understanding that there was a right and a wrong. And that you don't just get away with anything. And it's interesting having, when my granddad had told that story, the only thing he had stopped he didn't stop and intercede in the justice. What he did was he prevented the murder of a man. And he actually was looking out for the other ranchers because had they conducted that and word got out, they could have been held accountable and ruined their lives. Now, they were upset and emotional, and my grandfather was doing a service for both groups. That world still exists. It doesn't exist in our cities. It doesn't exist in our intellectual discussions about moral right and wrong. It exists in the earth and the dirt and the manure and the straw of a ranch. It exists in the understanding that there's no sympathy for the coyote or the wolf or the dog that tries to damage your livestock. You just put it down. But here's an, just a little twist on that, and I don't know if you know this, but in certain parts of the country, if you shoot somebody's dog protecting your livestock and you report it, they can often, they will often and has happened, they have the legal right to sue you for the loss of their dog, even though the dog was destroying your livestock, unless you can prove actual financial harm. This is how loony we, our world has become. So... When I'm up there this weekend, I had a lot of time to reflect on this. I had a lot of time to really reflect on and have conversations with Father up and back. And coming off of a week like last week where we really were talking hard about red lines and understanding where we stood, it, there was no, it was funny because when I got on the ranch and I stepped out there, and just kind of just let that air settle in and that world that I am familiar with just settle in, all those discussions just almost seem trite. Because in the world where we should be, there's no real discussion about it. It's just before you. Now, some of that probably settles in on me because I've spent time in a combat zone. 
And unfortunately, for those of you that don't know me or know my story well, I think when people hear me talk about red lines and talk about the intensities of the time, it sounds or can be easily translated to hubris or even time to get your gun on, boisterous chest thumping, and it's neither. I say this with a measure of just satisfaction with what I'm going to share with you, is that I'm probably one of the few people you will meet in the world, literally, and there are some out there. I can think of a few others right off the top of my head, but the numbers are small. Where you've walked and lived in a combat zone or some, some variants of that, and you've done work with some of the nastiest of people, and you've never had to result turn your actions into shooting another person in the face, but you've been able to work through that by your demeanor, by your relationships, and by a measure of working that is able to work with and through a culture, not work to dominate and subdue it. In the end, when you do that, you end up having victory. But it it arrives at the point because you're very clear on where you won't cross and you're very clear in your idea of what you're willing to do in order to ensure that never happens. And I find that a very, for myself, that perspective brings me closer to Jesus. Because it's the one thing that I read in our Savior is how firm he was in his walk in the world. He wasn't intimidated. He wasn't in want or in need of attention. He didn't have to chest thump, but he had some very clear lines. Let me read to you here. We're going to break it in two. I want to read the first part of this, which is Luke 31 to, it's Luke 22. I'm sorry, Luke 22, 31 to 34. Start here. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you men like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail, and you, when you have turned, have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. But he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. It's an interesting passage in this context I'm talking about because Jesus isn't rebuking him. He's just speaking of a very subtle, very obvious truth. And the discussion, we've talked about Peter many times in different formats like this, but it's very interesting to me because Jesus is just solid with where he is and where he's going. And I think we try very hard to imagine at times, the challenges and try to think of the hurt or try to think of the betrayal. But Jesus doesn't use the term betrayal here. He uses, he just says, he's denied me three times. And it's seen as more of a matter of course. You know, when you're walking among these bulls, this was a kind of a weird experience, like I said. This is a pen full of about, there was about 20 top bulls in this one pen. 
And I won't tell you that isn't a little bit intimidating because these are big animals, 1,200 pounds on the average. And they were, they're amazingly well-raised. And they are very confident <laughs> with who they are. But they have, there's no animus. And the owner has, Terry, has just absolute confidence in walking through them. And they understand him and he respects them. So walking through with him, you're able to get a sense. The one I chose, by the way, and for those that have probably asked, no, he's not been named yet. But he literally, one of the things that struck me is he came up and started sniffing my boot and then came up to me and expected me to pet him on the head, which I did. Now, he's not been bottle raised. He's not been coddled. He's a, he's a bull. He's a wild animal. But this is just the process of good breeding and good handling. But there's a confidence in the owner and there's a confidence in the animals and there's an understanding there of this relationship. How does that relate to what I was just saying? Christ is confident in what he's saying. He's not, there isn't this hangover of obsession of emotions or being wrapped around it. It's just a matter of fact comment almost of what Peter's going to do. It's kind of like standing in front of a bull and then doing something dumb, like trying to smack him on the butt or something and being surprised that he would jerk around and, and, and hit you. When in the ranch situation and in life and in scripture, there's just some very basic understanding of the balance of life and how it works. And we live in a time right now, especially with the internet, that so much is agitated and so much is amplified. And we tend to focus very heavily on a very narrow band of messages. We're being inundated right now by a minority of freaks. They're mentally unstable. They're, in the sense of their relationship with God, they're, they're sinners. And they are, they're walking a path in trying to normalize their insanity and their sin. But their actual numbers on a global level are about 1%. And in the country here, it's about 1%. But they, because they have an echo chamber, and we're part of it, I'm part of it, they get their voice amplified more than anybody else. The voices we should be amplifying are people like Terry Anderson, who has the ranch, which is Anderson land and livestock. Those are the voices we should be talking about, who can talk very common sense about the things that are fundamental, that we can have as we did. We can have conversations about the risk to our food system and how he's seeing it as a rancher, the risk to our genetic base in our livestock because of how much was sold off last fall and how many seed cattle with that sell-off and how we've seen beef prices fall, but the problem is we've also seen cedar seed stock fall and ranchers are having to rebuild, but we're losing big genetic washes in our base of cattle. And yet how important cattle is to our health and good beef is to our health and the good raising of the animal is to our health and how important it is for him to see that the animal is not a product for meat. It's a, it's a product of raising a good animal and that those animals come first in his life before anything else. And it's evident when you see that those should be the stories we're amplifying. 
but we're wrapped around this minority, which that minority is very much like like the wild dog or or coyote that's out there trying to kill your baby calf. What do you do with it? You shoot it and you're done with it. And it's over. There's no emotion. It's over and done because it's a threat to the greater purpose of what's out there. That's the life on the ranch. But things get very convoluted when we start talking about that with humans because we start talking about we focus on a minority of freaks and we start to try to justify that within a greater perspective of majority of people that are stronger in faith. And we're always trying to come out. We end up in these twisted conversations about how somehow each one of us is so special. And I'm like, okay, and, and, and I'm not God. I'm not trying to be. But when I touch up on a ranch and I'm, I get myself grounded the way I walk. It isn't a complicated issue. We had a cow, and I've mentioned it last year, that went crazy. A guy that runs cattle with me was up there with his dad on ATVs, and that cow charged him and literally tried to kill him. Now, here's why I say this, because there was a discussion that ensued when he called me and he said, well, I just wanted to report to you this is what happened. My first question was, did you put her down? And he said, well, it's your cattle and I didn't want to know what to do. I said, yeah, but you were running them and your life was a threat. Did you put her down? He said, no. And he said, but she broke out and she's now in the other pasture. He said, I'll, I'll collect her. I said, collect her and have her put down and butcher. Do that. We're done. We don't want that in the genetic stock. We make these very sanitary decisions with animals and yet we justify it, I think, to a great deal because we're able to say, well, God gave us these to steward. And yet, right now on a global level, a population level of approximately 1% of the global earth is driving humanity off the edge and hurting us into a valley of destruction. And we're arguing on whether they should be preserved or saved or whatever. And I think that happens because we've ended up being so detached from Mother Nature and who we are. If we are in a garden and you have a pest, squirrels are a good example, that starts ravaging all your plants, you're going to have to do something to protect the plants. If you're one of those who believes in protecting the squirrel, then you're going to go hungry. And this is where we come down to this fundamental piece of life because we've gotten to a place where even talking about cattle, it's like it's a different world. Not the way I grew up, but the way it's become. And even for those that garden, I can tell you just in my own neighborhood. I mean, we've really built out this urban homestead here. We've added, a, there's a new, it's a tunnel, essentially like a small greenhouse we put in across lower beds. We're, we're going to be expanding some of the growing space this year, et cetera. And from the neighborhood, there's only one other that does this and everyone else, we're a straight anomaly. We even had people like, hmm, or one of the neighbors asked us like, well, why are you doing all this? 
Because why would you do all that when you can run down to Safeway or you can run down to Fred Meyer or you can Walmart or whatever your local store is, Kroger, and get all those things? Why bother wasting the time to grow it? And that's the world that they're in. But when you're in that place, your values shift. And they shift to a really good place. They shift to putting the nurturing of our soul, the nurturing of what we do, and the understanding of the need to protect what God gives us. Wealth is not in money. And this is another problem that we have right now that gave a lot of reflection to this this weekend because that bull wasn't cheap. Good bulls are not cheap. And as I was looking at that, as I was paying for it, I was just thinking back. It's like, wow, some people would like to see, would probably put this money in a 401k or an IRA and see it grow. And yet that bull will grow whole herds. And that wealth is measured in a completely different way. It's one of the best investments one can make. And I'll buy, like I said, probably 18 more heifers next year from him is my plan and probably another bull. And that investment will grow over years because that seed stock that'll be there will be able to build a bigger herd and I can then start replacing heifers as I go along with new heifers and the bulls will allow that to continue, obviously. And from that stock, we'll be able to pull out a couple of them, a couple of the young calves and and raise them as good bulls and so forth. It is a self-perpetuating and expansive, expanding on wealth that grows in a way that money can't. But this detachment again from our roots and from who we are is such an amazing distortion in our life because so much revolves around money and it's different type of value. We're in a real crossroads and it's not a hard one to see when we take a step back. It's in fact, what's hard is that when you're sitting looking at it and you understand what's the consequence of each of these crossroads I think it's hard to start to, in any form, embrace that walk with technology because we can see very clearly where it's taking us as humanity. And the sad part about that is, is it's, it's being driven by power, by greed, by convenience, by obsession of creating things that can do things for us, so like as the slave of owner mentality. And that's where I flip back to that other piece with Terry and his wife. That entire operation isn't run by robots, isn't run by some digital algorithmic program. That entire operation, 90% of that is still run by those two people. Terry's 77 and his wife is about the same age. That's an amazing statement. And it's fundamentally just comes down to work and the patterns of work that they do every single day to make sure that these herds grow, these cattle continue to go. And it's not happening in the office. It's not happening on social media. It's happening on the ground.
That type of reflection, I think, is something that's healthy for us all to do. Because it puts things in perspective to what is really important in our life. And it starts to really change what our expectations are and also reduces the anxiety of what lies ahead. Here's what I know about beef. In the little bit that I can say, because I'm still what we call a greenhorn, but let me explain the model and why I say this. In in July, our money system is supposed to change, and it will change forever if they continue what they're doing with this Fed now thing, meaning that every single transaction that we do forevermore will be in a digital form, will be increasingly in a digital form, and everything will be tracked and traced because they're trying to get rid of cash and they're trying to get rid of, of silver and silver and gold out of any sort of exchange. If you're in the digital world, in digital currencies like cryptos, increasingly it's going to get harder and harder to access your stuff without having to log in biometrically. And that's going to happen to all of us on the web eventually. We're not going to get access to the web unless we biometrically scan in. And that's to just so I say it, that's my red line because I won't do that. But all of that's going to be driven on how we earn the digital wealth that they want us to earn based on the categories of work that they provide. And the digital wealth isn't going to grow unless you do the work that they want and end up buying the things they want you to buy. I can have cattle. I can butcher them. I can have meat in various forms. And I, whether I have digital currency or paper currency or meat, I have something that I can barter, trade, or use for currency for whatever I need. And that should be the fundamental goal for each one of us to have something like that. Because when we're there, outside of them doing something insane, we have an ability to conduct commerce that is based on a true value and not on theirs. And we've created a wholesome way of living that's tying us back to the earth, tying us back to Father, tying us back to a moral relationship with one another that has to build on trust and respect. And in that world, there's very clear lines about behaviors that are accepted and behaviors that are not. And when you're having to shovel out pens with manure or shovel out stalls of manure or drag hay around a property, there's a certain practicalities that just occur. Walking around in high heels and a skirt, as some dudes like to do these days, doesn't have a place out there. It just isn't practical. It won't last. You can try it. I guarantee you, you will get rid of it by the end of the day. And no one has to say a word. Life is self-centering. It resets. And as it does... Many of these nonsensical things that we're being overwhelmed with these days just vaporize. And the cult that is driving it becomes increasingly irrelevant 
and their survival is then dictated not by their noise and their insistence that we comply to them, but on their functional ability to produce tangible things and ultimately eat, which is dictated by us. That's a reset in a true sense of when God's children simply say, that's enough. Luke twenty-two thirty-five to 38. And he said to them, when I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, no, nothing. And he said to them, but now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag, and whoever has no sword is to sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that that which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted with wrongdoers. For that which refers to me has its fulfillment. They said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. We're in a place now of basically making sure we have our money belts and our bag and our sword. And it isn't to build a war chest of 50,000 guns, but to be reasonable about all that we have in order to fulfill the mission that we have before us. It's not emotional. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be anxiety-driven. It has no hate in the heart. In fact, it has love and compassion. But it's real. And it's a real sense. I traveled all over Afghanistan. Much of that travel was by myself and my interpreter. I've traveled with soldiers and I've traveled out of the envelope of soldiers. In some of the later times, it was going into some really bad territory, Taliban controlled where I traveled just with my interpreter and myself. I didn't have what they call a heavy package. I didn't have a C-130 gunship sitting on station over me like some CIA operatives would have. I didn't have a quick response force known as a QRF on standby in case something happened to go take me out of a hot situation. I had me, my interpreter, our vehicle, and I had typically a nine millimeter in my back. And that's about it. I wasn't going in to fight. I was going in to do a mission and to fulfill the mission as it was intended to make relationships, to build relationships and to come back with a way to find or to build an opening if we wanted to, to have special forces teams continue the work. That's what I did. You still needed a sword. I wasn't out there to, to be that guy that was bringing in high-value targets. That was somebody else's place. And so like on the ranch, on a place, you should be carrying a gun. Not because I'm out to hunt, but because that livestock is what I'm there to steward and take care of. And whether it's a stray or whether it's a poacher, both of those have the same category. If it's a stray animal coming in to cause a problem or a poacher to steal your meat or kill your animals, it's a problem. 
We're given with God what we have to do to steward it. And the real issue about our world is it's not clear. It isn't just a loving world. It's a harsh environment. We're not out to try to bring justice by the sword of the steel, but we are out to fulfill a mission with the understanding that within this world, there just are some crazy freaks and insane people as well as just vicious animals around us. That grounding in a ranch is clear. That bull, and I've thought about this on the way back, has a, it's a real important part of the development of what we're going to be doing at the ranch. It can protect its herd from the coyote and probably even, I would argue, even from some of the mountain lions we've got around there. And bears won't bother it. But I have the responsibility of protecting it from the bigger predators that might try to do it harm, like people. And that's part of my job as being a steward. All of that is very simple in the math and the equations of a ranch. Once we start packing people into cities and we start to do our moral arguments and start to get all confused about humanity this and humanity that and start to talk about good souls, bad souls, we lose all perspective of the simple fundamental aspects of how we walk. Two is enough. Here are two swords. It is enough. And it is. And it's a responsibility that we carry now, each and every one of us, as we move forward towards a world that is rapidly changing. A world that is increasingly becoming driven by forces that are not in our control. A world that wants us to step into its trap and live within its matrix of control. And that's the choice now that we are having to make. We either put our feet solidly on the earth and step away from the technologies as we go ahead, or we get sucked into the vortex of matrix and we live with the insanity which technology breeds. I'm going to choose the earth. I'm going to choose the manure pile. I'm going to choose the straw. I'm going to choose the herd and the bull. It's harder work. It's not as crazy. You don't get to see the insane videos every morning. But in the end, that decision we all have to make. But the one thing about that walk on that ranch is the rules are clear. The morality is there. And it all has to be there because you won't survive either, either way. You won't survive without it. So it was a good weekend, nice reflection, a nice time and a ride with Jesus, a clear understanding that for me, it was important that God has me exactly where he wants me. And the messages being put out are consistent with what he wants me to speak. It puts me perhaps on the outside of what is comfortable for some, and I understand that. But it's nonetheless a place to walk that I'm going to continue to walk because at the end of the day, we're going to survive 
with the ranchers and the gardeners and the beekeepers. And we're going to die if we follow the coders, the programmers, the money lovers. It just won't work. I'll choose the ranch. Let's pray. Father, we're very blessed. And thank you for this time that we've had to share tonight and just these each weekend, the stories that you continue to present. And allow me to share with others. An amazing walk this weekend, and I appreciate it. And once again, Father, as I just speak candidly from my heart, just in the reflection of an old world, the ancient path versus the new world, and how confusing things end up getting and how simple things used to be. A prayer this night tonight is just for that grounding, the grounding on the earth, the grounding in the pace and the flow of things that are natural, not unnatural, the grounding in the pace of things and the stepping away from the digital insanity and focus on the wholesome things that build us within, that create the future, that give us wealth in ways far beyond anything money could ever buy. We're blessed and we're grateful for all. And so, Father, thank you. And may that blessing to each person settle in on their heart to find that place in their life that is grounded, is connected, is true, and is real. That doesn't see the world through the benefits or production of the digital, but rather sees the world more in the terms of ancient paths and only those technologies that we can manage and control ourselves. To step away from the mechanics of promises of fast production, high speed, mass volume, ease, convenience, simplicity, etc., and return to the fundamentals of doing and being involved in the productions of what we do. So much of our world is now consumed with the intellectual and not the substantial. And so we pray for that, the substantial, something that each one can leave each day with knowing that what we have done is truly with a relationship in our hands and with you. So guide us, Father, in these times. Bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So it's time, if you haven't already, to be working on those gardens, I'll tell you. Get things planted. We're heading into good season now. We've had so much rain in Oregon. And it's been, until just the last few days, it's been hard even to get into the garden to do work because it's been so wet. But I can tell you personally, my tomato plants are like blowing up and they're ready to go because they've been under grow lights and they've been doing great. And it's time now for all of us to start looking at how much we can grow and start really building out our gardens this year with big productions of what we can do. That's what's going to make a difference. That's what will change the world. And as frustrated as we get with all this insanity, and there's the lunatics are running the asylum, let's be clear. But they're not running... My, 
the ranch. They're not running your garden. They're not running your household unless you let them. And don't let them under any circumstance. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Why? 
Since.